Rutherford Issues on News Radio WGNS. Mr. Baseman. Time now for Conversations with Krause. Here is Dr. Bill Krause. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We're very fortunate this morning to have uh, Belinda uh, Render with us, who heads up the mortgage origination for Iberian uh, First Horizon Bank here in Murfreesboro. And mortgages, while we may not necessarily think how important they are, they're vital in terms of uh, making our housing needs and our housing wants reality in the future. Belinda, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. Maybe you can begin like I start with all of our guests. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, where you were raised, and how you got in the mortgage business. Oh, I will be glad to share that with you. I'm originally from South Mississippi. I grew up down outside of Hattiesburg, if you're familiar with the Hattiesburg area. My dad was a football coach. My mom worked at the bank as a bank teller, so grew up down there. And I went to Jackson, Mississippi, not Tennessee, for college. And in between junior and senior college, our bank manager came to me and said, I need you to do mortgages. Our mortgage lenders going out on maternity leave. And I'm like, well, sure, I'll do mortgages. A funny story, went over to the other branch where the mortgage office was. About three weeks in, the bank president comes flying in and says, throws the business card at me and he says, well, Linda, what's wrong with this card? And I'm like, well, I don't know. You said I could be a mortgage loan originator. What's wrong with the card? He goes, well, Linda, mortgage has a T. Mortgage has a T in it. You left out the T. So literally when I say I didn't even know how to spell mortgage at the time, obviously it was true. So that was back, oh gosh, I'm going to date myself now. That was 28 years ago. So since then, I've learned how to do mortgages, and I've learned how to spell mortgages. And I've been in the Murfreesboro area. We moved up here in 2003. So I've been up here um, since 2003. Very good. And I can tell you from personal experiences, you're one of the most outstanding pros in the field, and I always feel most comfortable working with you. Taking the whole area of the Rutherford County real estate market, would you say it's hot and mortgages in high demand? Absolutely. We are seeing a tremendous amount of growth, obviously, in the Rutherford County market. Um, Right now, we're still seeing um, it's a seller's market where we have a shortage of inventory. So we don't have enough houses for the number of people that desire a home. Um, So that's definitely something that we're facing right now. Mortgages are still definitely in demand um, because interest rates are so good. Even people that normally would probably just pay cash are borrowing money right now because the rates are so good and it's just very cost effective um, to use our money versus having to use their money. Excellent. And this second question somewhat relates to it. So you would say it's a great time to buy and a great time to obtain a mortgage or even refinance. And we don't want to minimize the role of refinancing uh, for many people. Absolutely. It's definitely a great time to invest in real estate. Real estate is something that Um, long-term is a great investment. Um, From a refinance perspective, if you can refinance and get a lower interest rate, or if you can refinance and maybe um, get a lower interest rate and drop the mortgage insurance because values have gone up so well in our market, um, great opportunity for that. Um, I see a lot of people doing what, what we consider a cash out refinance, where they're pulling equity out of homes to either pay off other debt 
to make their but to better manage their budget. Or um, I've had people pull out, you name it, I've had people pull out um, equity to buy a second home, to buy vacation homes. I've had people pull out equity to pay for kids' colleges. I've had people, I've had weddings. I mean, you name it. I've, I've pretty much seen that happen over the last um, 30 years. I keep dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has certainly changed. And, uh, you know, and I can think back to 1979 and 1980 when you were looking at mortgage rates around 18, 19, 20 percent. So for those younger people who don't realize how viable and how dynamic the mortgage industry is and how financing is, uh, goes through the cycles of peaks and valleys. Uh, what terms and rates, and I'm not expecting you to come down with specifics, but give a general idea of terms and rates that are available right now for the home buyer or the home refinancer. Yeah, each interest rate is different based on that specific borrower, but I can give you some really good ranges. Right now, conventional 15-year, you're looking right around 2%. Um, and 30-year, depending again, depending on the borrower, they could be anywhere from 25 to 5%, depending on what type of loan the borrower is doing, whether it's a primary home, a secondary home, or an investment rate. It also depends on the borrower's credit score. Um, any, a 620 is going to be a much higher interest rate than a 780 credit score on conventional. So that one has a much higher range due to the type of loan that the borrower is doing. Government rates um, are in the low twos. Um, THDA, which is the first-time homebuyer product for the state of Tennessee, their rate is currently 3%. So interest rates are incredibly good right now. You know, when I started doing mortgages, mortgages were um, were above 10%. And I can remember the first borrower that I locked, they got 9.875. And, like, they sent me a cake because they were so excited that, <laughs> that they had gotten below wow. 10%. So it's always about perspective. Then we went through a time that rates hit 8%. And we would say, rate eight is great. Eight is great. And now, you know, we're half of that. We're less than half of that. So interest rates are just incredibly good. It's such a fantastic time to consider real estate because, I mean, these are interest rates that are, that are unprecedented. Well, one question, and I certainly, this is strictly looking up in the sky and guessing. Do you see these changing in the near future? Do you think we'll be holding steady uh, the rates for a while? Um, everything we read says that we're going to be pretty steady through the end of this year, but they expect us to go up next year. Um, that is, it's so hard to say because when I first started doing mortgages, you could pretty much look at the 10-year treasury and know what mortgage rates are going to, we're going to do. Um, now, because we're such a global economy, everything affects mortgage rates. If it is the national debt in Greece, I mean, there are so many factors that are affecting the mortgage rates that there's not just one factor to look at. I would, what I would, what I would, my best suggestion is I always tell people, you know what, rates are at a historical lows. I don't know that we'll go much lower, but I do expect we're going to go up at some point. I mean, I, I just don't see how we can't. Excellent. Uh, what advice would you give to a prospective home buyer? And let's say either a new home buyer or somebody who has moved in the area or somebody who's been renting for a while who would want to apply for a mortgage, for example, should they go for a 30-year or 15-year mortgage, and what are the advantages and disadvantages of both? Um, what I would tell a new first-time home buyer is to look at your budget. What do you pay currently? Are you comfortable paying that? 
If so, do you feel like you could go up or do you struggle to make that monthly rental payment? If you're struggling to make that monthly rental payment, then obviously you're going to need to go down on a mortgage payment because you're with, with a home, you're going to have expenses. You're going to have upkeep that you didn't have with an apartment. So the first thing I always tell borrowers is, you know, I need you to look at your budget to know where you're comfortable. Because I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what you qualify for, but what you qualify for and what you want to afford every month aren't always the same numbers. Because my numbers on paper aren't the same numbers as your real life numbers. You know how much you eat out. You know how much other expenses you have that maybe aren't traditionally mortgage expenses I have to count against you. So that's where it's really important that the borrower take a really good look at their total picture to know where they're comfortable. Because I don't want to say, you know, you qualify for a $300,000 house and then they go and look and they fall in love with that house and then that payment just be absolutely terrifying to them. At this point, in the, let's ask you, how would you recommend somebody to get pre-approved so before they even look at that house and before they even fall in love with that house and before they even say this is it, they've got a pre-approval and they already know this information that it might be nice, but can they afford it? But tell us about the pre-approval process. Absolutely. I always recommend you get pre-approved. And the reason that is is because a lot of times, first and foremost, you need to know what's on your credit. And sometimes there could be things on your credit that you're not aware of. So if you have time to fix your credit before you fall in love with a house, it's going to help you get that lower interest rate, um, especially if you're going conventional. But when we do the pre-qualification, what we do is typically people have in mind because they've been looking online and they're like, you know what, we like this price point. So typically they're going to say, Belinda, we're looking around 300000 So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in there and I'm going to look at their debt, their income, um, assets, all of that good stuff. And I'm going to come back and say, you know what, we've got you approved. Um, you requested 300000 That was approved. You do have room to go up, but let's talk about three hundred first. At three hundred, um, you you said you were going to pay this amount down. Based off of that, this is what your estimated monthly payment would be. Now, the estimated monthly payment includes tax, an estimate for taxes, insurance, the mortgage repayment itself, which is the principal and interest, and mortgage insurance if they put less than 20% down. And I always ask, are you comfortable with that payment? And at that point, they say, well, you know, I really was hoping to be a little bit, a little, a little bit lower. And I will say, you know, how much were you wanting your payment lower? Well, we were wanting it $100 lower. So what we do is we'll go and say, okay, based off of that, to get that payment $100 lower, then you would need to be in this price point so that they have a price point. If they say, no, that's great. You know, we, we're, we're paying more than that in rent, and we feel like we can go up, then we talk about, okay, based on your numbers, it looks like you could go as high as. Now, let me show you what that payment is. And sometimes they'll be like, yeah, that's fine. We're okay with that. And sometimes they're like, whoa, we don't want to go that high. <laughs> so it all depends on them. So there's a lot of back and forth as far as questions and answers and talking to the borrower as, you know, so that they don't get into a situation where, you know, they get into the heat of the moment, they find the house, they're excited, and then they find the payment, and they're like, well, we already committed, we love the house. So we try to do as much up front to prepare them and to give them those numbers and those ranges so that they can make the best decision for themselves and for their budget. 
Exactly. And you also have to, and this is kind of like the 800-pound elephant in the room, for many home buyers, and as you've done this excellent job of presentation, you also have to say, and there's homeowners association dues where you're going to be moving. And they can be fairly high and they can be fairly hefty. That is exactly correct, um, especially if they're looking at a townhome or if they're looking at a condo. The HOAs can make a tremendous difference. I just closed one this past week. Their HOA was nine ninety five a month. It was a condo. How much? And, How much? Yeah, a, a month nine ninety five, almost a thousand dollars a month. You're kidding. What are they yeah. getting for that? A gold plated kitchen? I, I hope it, I hope it includes everything, but. You know, depending on where the borrower is buying, the HOA can make a difference. For example, each $50 of that HOA, give or take, takes about $10,000 of buying power away. So if you buy a house that has a $100 HOA, it's essentially the same thing as if you'd bought a house without an HOA that was $20,000 more. Wow. So that HOA is definitely something they have to consider. Now, one thing with the HOA is there are times, and most of the time, it does cover a little bit more of the insurance. So sometimes your insurance is a little bit less that helps offset some of that. But that's definitely something that the borrower has to consider as well is that HOA. That's an excellent. You know what would be a neat program, and, you know, we assume and take things for granted but again, I'm going to the young couple who uh, this is their first home, first experience, getting the mortgage, first experience, budgeting. Do they realize what their tax deduction would be as far as being a homeowner and what they can deduct from their taxes on interest and property taxes and so forth? And what does that do to their take-home pay or what they have to get in a bigger, uh, bigger refund from the Internal Revenue Service in the spring? Uh, the advantages of home ownership as far as a tax deduction is concerned. Yeah, there's definitely an advantage. Um, depending on their tax bracket and their tax situation, um, a pretty safe number is that, that they're going to write off about 25%. Of, if they if they itemize, they're going to write off about 25% of that mortgage interest. Now, again, I'm not a CPA, and I would definitely right. refer them to their CPA to know exactly what their benefit's going to be. But just a pretty good industry number that we we usually use is 25% of the mortgage interest is usually tax deductible. Excellent. Now, one of the areas when somebody comes in for an application and it's a two-income family, uh, to what degree is the risk of a two-income family or to what degree are bonuses and overtime calculated in the overall ability to pay a mortgage? And can bonuses in overtime or even a two-income family uh, be a risk factor if you're saying, yes, I can commit to a $1,400 mortgage payment, but it's two incomes and so forth, and one of the spouses may get pregnant and have to take off or lay off or what have you. So does a dual income versus a single income, does people who include bonuses in overtime at work, uh, does that calculate out as being necessarily an asset? It depends on the longevity of the bonus and the overtime, as well as when we send out that what we call a verification of employment, we're asking the employer, is this likely to continue? So if it is a one-time bonus, then it's not going to count or be something that is advantageous to us. But if it has longevity to, them, it, to it, if they say, yes, they have a history of that bonus, 
yes, we expect they're going to get the bonus again this year, then what we do is we average. So let's say that last year they got $1,000, and let's say for this year they're, they've got $1,000, then what we're going to do is we're going to average that. So in that case, typically we would, if it's a one-time, we always, is it a one-time annual bonus? If so, then in that scenario, we would take the $1,000 plus the $1,000, and divide that by 24 months and give them credit for around $83 a month for qualifying bonus income. Same thing with overtime, we're gonna look at the average. Um, we're also going to look at, um, again, is it likely to continue based on what the employer completes on that verification? And then we're also gonna look at their recent pay stubs to know if it's in line, if what they're getting is in line with what the average is. Now keep in mind, there are some industries that are seasonal and we know that um, the fourth quarter, there's always a push for certain merchandise to go out. So overtime is more likely. Um, the first quarter is usually hard on overtime because it seems like a lot of companies um, cut out overtime that first quarter. So when we're trying to qualify with overtime the first quarter of each year, that's, that's a little bit more of a challenge because we, we definitely have to go back to statistical data when we're looking at that one. Um, but yes, we can definitely count those if we can get the proper documentation for those, that would be bonus, overtime, commission, um, anything like that. We just have to do that average of and we have to get proof of longevity and we have to get proof of continuance um, in order to be able to properly average that um, to know how we can count it and you know, such as that. And again, when COVID came out, we had some COVID overlays that had to put a few more restrictions on how we could average and count. Um, but again, those were things that we worked through as an industry and we're able to still make mortgages. Um, as far as the two household, as far as the two um, borrowers on the loan, um, there are times that it's an advantage um, depending on what the two borrowers have that they are that on the application. If both of them have income, if they need both incomes to qualify, then absolutely we will we, we need both incomes to qualify so we keep them on the loan there are times that we may get a borrower in that borrower one has a great credit score borrowers two credit score is not as strong but borrower one actually qualifies on their own and there's times that we'll go back to the borrower and say you actually could get this interest rate just doing it just in your name versus this interest rate if you do do it in both names our final question, uh, do you have any particular stories that you experienced with buyers and uh, they ultimately reached their objective of getting the most feasible mortgage, but some of the interesting sidelights of what they were seeking? Oh, I can tell you, I mean, one of my favorite stories is I had a borrower that they had to get in a home in order to get custody of their kids back. And they got, they were able to buy a home and got their kids back. I mean, so there's, there's multiple stories. There's, I have family and friends that families and friends, not my, not necessarily my family, but families that I've worked for that they were buying their dream homes and they bought their absolute dream home. Um, I've had, I've had people sit in my office and tell me they're the first person in their, in their family to own a home. I mean, there's just, I could tell you story after story after story. I mean, again, I've done this almost 30 years. So there's a lot of stories I could tell you of times that we were able to help people. And it just makes a tremendous difference. 
Well, I think one final story or one final element before we thank you for this most uh, excellent, uh, comprehensive uh, discussion of mortgages is you come in for a new mortgage. The person's never gone through this before, and they're giving a list of things they need to put together uh, in addition to their application. Uh, identify some of those items people should start collecting or start filing or getting in the habit of retaining so that at such a time they do apply for a mortgage, they've got it easy access. Perfect. Traditionally, we're going to want your last 30 days of pay stubs, your last two months of bank statements, and your last two years of tax returns complete with your W-2s. Excellent. And once you have that, that's pretty much uh, what they need. That is 95% of the battle. Every now and again, you'll have where um, we may, on their pay stub, they may have child support. So we'll need their divorce decree and their child support court order if they don't have a decree. Um, so there's other things that can be triggered, but 99, 90, but that is the majority of what we're gonna need right there. Normal time for mortgage application to mortgage approval. And I know that varies person to person, house to house, but is there a normal, estimated time from the time of initial filing of application to the time of saying, hey, your mortgage has been approved, uh, come in and sign off on the escrow. Yeah, typically we're ready in about three weeks from start to finish. Now, it does depend on the appraisal. There's other factors that do play into that. But if you said, hey, Belinda, I'm wanting to buy a house, how quickly can I close? I'm typically going to tell you, hey, about three weeks, you're going to be ready to go. We are so grateful to Belinda a renderer who is with Iberian First Horizon Bank uh, right in Murfreesboro. Uh, totally not only an expert, but a very caring and concerned individual who is there to help, there to assist, and there to encourage. Thank you so much. You've been very valuable. Most hopefully our folks uh, in the audience have uh, picked up some hints, picked up some ideas, and uh, are full speed ahead when they either refinance their current home or buy that new dream house sitting on the hill. Thank you so much, and we stand adjourned.